Hello, this is Mark Thompson, and welcome to yet another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. And in this episode, I'm talking to Gagana from Bulgaria. Now, Bulgaria, in the Australian popular imagination, is rather a dark and mysterious country, probably more closely associated with Olympic weightlifters than concert pianists. And so today, I'm talking to Gagana about how someone from Bulgaria comes to be studying her PhD in music in Hobart, and I learn a bit about some of the differences between Bulgarian culture and Australian, including hearing about a rather unique Bulgarian custom that I'm sure many people find rather surprising. Hello everyone, my name is Gergana Yudis and I'm from Bulgaria. I was born in Bulgaria and I grew up in Bulgaria. I studied there until my bachelor degree and my master's degree. Then I got married uh, to a Turkish guy, then I moved to Turkey. I lived there for four and a half years where I worked and, um, and studied and, and, yeah, and lived. And then I've been in Hobart for four and a half years now. So we came in December to 2015. Um, I'm a classical pianist. I studied, I started to play piano when I was seven. I finished a piano performance in bachelor degree and master degree in Bulgaria. And then when I moved to Turkey, I worked as a lecturer in classical piano. So there I was teaching um, Turkish students um, classical piano. So classical music, their classical music, their Turkish classical music and uh, Western music. And then I came to Tasmania to do a PhD. To I prepared a research proposal, which was about about the folk music and the classical music. So why Tasmania in particular? Well, it wasn't intentionally Tasmania. When I worked in Turkey, um, as I said, I was teaching classical piano to the Turkish students, and because of that job, I had to learn a lot about uh, the Turkish classical piano tradition, which is not very broad topic you know you've got to be there or you've got to meet someone you've got to I had this bad, that, that good opportunity because I was there and I, I could um, I could be in the environment and, and get to know it well and for these years I started to think that we're very similar um, the, the Turkish classical piano music and the Bulgarian classical piano music they're both uh, based on a folk elements and I found that one element which is very we as Bulgarians we're very proud with it <laughs> you know we're very proud with that rhythm and what we te- what we were taught and what we grow up with that's like our musical um yeah like proud proudness mm-hmm. yeah we, we're very proud with it and we, we think oh yeah this is only in Bulgaria there's no nowhere else and it's it's Bulgarian and uh, yeah and then when I moved to Turkey they have it the same thing and they said oh it's Turkish and we're very proud with it I was like oh okay <laughs> And, and we have border countries and we don't know about that thing. That was very interesting to me. And that particular rhythm that was uh, implied in the Bulgarian classical uh, piano repertoire and in the Turkish, right. you know, it, it's, it was very, very interesting. And when I went and I, I was teaching that to the students, to the Turkish students, says, oh, look, we know how to do it because it's Turkish. You know, we know, we know everything about it, that rhythm. I was like, okay, yeah, we, we know that rhythm too. And 
then I started to research that rhythm. It's called Aksak in Turkish. And that's how basically most of the Western world know it. And then I developed this research proposal. I just wanted to go further and, and see what I can do in academia. Then I, I prepared a proposal for a PhD. I sent it to a couple of places. Um, not only in Australia, I sent it in Europe. And I got a place in, um, in Sweden and in Australia. In Australia, I got Hobart. Got supervised, supervisory team in Hobart. And I was like, okay, let's do that. And because we can always go to somewhere in Europe and come back, you know. And it, it's hard to it's hard to get a visa for Australia. It's hard to come here and it's hard to... We thought, okay, it's one chance. You know, if it doesn't work, we'll, we'll just go back. And yeah. And then I came here, started a research master's degree because... Um, I don't remember why. I think they needed a publication, in, an English language publication for a PhD. But um, because I didn't have it, I started as a research master, then I converted to a PhD, which I completed here. Yeah. And that's that's my topic. <laughs> that's been what I've been doing for the last seven years as a research. Yeah. yeah. So does do you know did it, whether this started in Bulgaria or Turkey, or is it one of those things which is sort of still not not clear? Um, it's a it's a folk rhythm which is in the folk music of that region. They have it in Greece, they have it in Turkey, okay. they have it in Bulgaria. Yeah, but uh, Bulgarian composers, piano composers, they use it in a certain way, and Turkish composers use it in another way in their music. It, for to me, it was that was interesting because that's the the sign of nationality, mm -hmm. the sign of proudness for both countries. But yeah, we don't realize it as a common thing probably that way and I don't think that I would be able to do that kind of project in either of those countries because of this reason you know because okay. of that sense of nationality is there I wouldn't be able to say okay this is say Turkish composers do this better so have you found that being so far away in like something like Tasmania you can take a more detached view of the, the topic like this yeah yeah definitely one of the things I was very surprised let's say <laughs> surprised yeah is uh, the the way that western world look at our um, classical piano music mm -hmm. yeah so the way that what is eastern europe i could see from here you know mm -hmm. i know that we eastern europe i know that we're very close in terms of music to all the eastern Europe, european countries i know that we're close to russia of course but when you come here it's different that is very different yeah that is very different that that was a bit shocking for me. I was like, okay. The things, how is different? Say the things that we think it's modern, it's modern for us, but it's not as modern, or, or at least I felt it is that in that way. It's not as modern as, say, they percept it here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you start. You said you started piano at seven. What what got you started in playing the piano? Was it something that was uh, important in your family? Oh um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I just remember my mom came from work one day and said, "Hey, do you want to start playing the piano?" I was like, "Okay, yeah, let's start doing that." And then I started. Yeah, I just I just started like this, but I liked it. Yeah, it's very common. It was very common. I think it's still common for the kids in Bulgaria. And we had um, like art schools they are detached to to the um to the normal schools and you go separately to that building you can study any instrument 
theater or painting or ballet or all kind of arts. And then you've got your class, art classmates, and then you participate in different concerts. And yeah, was a was a good thing to do as a kid. So yeah. was that music course, was it part of your normal school studies or was it something extra? No, no, it is something extra. Yeah, it is not, it's not related to the to the school. It's a different school. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's called Titaliste. That kind of schools. <laughs> yeah. But that's a state-run school? Yes, they're all state-run. Uh, well, probably not all of them now, but yeah, most of them, they were at that time. Yeah. In, I started at that Titaliste in my hometown, which is very close, a little town, very close to Sofia. And that Titaliste was built in the end of 1900s, a very old um, building and very old institution. And it's still going. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so you started there when you were sort of at primary school? Yes, I started at the same time when I started uh, primary school. Yeah, at the age of seven. And then I studied piano there until I was 14 years old. And then I moved to um, it's kind of a music school but it's music and uh, language together. Um, you've got to apply to that school. You've got to go and perform as an exam and then write, I don't remember what it was. And yeah, you write an essay or stuff and then you get accepted to that school. That's another city. I studied there and, and then I studied piano performance in the Academy of Music and Dance in Plovdiv. Mm-hmm. I've been to Plovdiv. Have you? Yeah. Oh. Beautiful city. Yes, it is. And the academy was there's a big amphitheater in Plovdiv. Yep. Have you been there? Yep. Yeah. So the music academy was just on the top of that. Did it help to have that sort of environment? Yeah, of course it helps. Yeah. And um, my classmates and and um, all the colleagues, it, it was nice. It was a very good environment, very good musical environment. And Plovdiv is one of the more most cultural cities. Uh, Series of Bulgaria, so Sofia and Bulgaria. There's a lot of festivals, classical music festivals, chamber music festivals, um, theater festival. You could go and see every day. There was something where you could go and see. It was beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it's the second largest city in Bulgaria. That's right. So. Yeah, it's the second largest city. So was it, is it, was it a difficult place to get into? Yes, it was a difficult place to get into. And there were, it's a music, music, fine arts and uh, da- music, dance and fine arts academy, but music was the first uh, field it was open to. And when they opened it, it was like the second branch of uh, the Sofia Music Academy. And it was, it started as only pedagogical. So if you want to be a piano teacher, not performer, you go to Plovdiv. If you want to be a performer, you go to Sofia. Okay. Yeah, that's that's basically the model in all the Eastern European countries and Russia, the musical education is 
it goes in that way. But then and later they opened the performance classes in Plovdiv. So I applied for the performance classes and yeah, it was very hard to get there. We had to play two hours program in front of jury mm-hmm. by memory. So yeah, it was very stressful. <laughs> I remember that very well. Yeah. There was a big concert hall and they get, they pull out all the chairs. There's only one table with the, the jury sitting there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then you go there alone. You yeah. step on the stage. It's like a concert, but you're fully aware that it's an exam <laughs> because there's no, I, no, no audience. I would imagine that would be harder because the, you know, no, there's, there's only these people watching you. Yes, and they're, they're there to assess you. And they were eliminating tours. So you've got to, if you don't pass the first, you don't go to the second. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was hard. That was hard. And then I, I applied for the pedagogical faculty as well. I got places into both of them, but then I, I decided to performance one. Mm-hmm. And I graduated as a classical pianist and piano um teacher. So when you graduate from um, this academy as a concert pianist, are there, is there a clear sort of career pathway open to you straight away or do you have to, uh, or is it more difficult than that? You could do piano accompaniment, which is a very, um, which is the easiest way to get a, a job, say, if, you, if you're a new graduate. Um, you can be a piano accompaniment in basically every music school because every other instrument will need a piano accompanist for everything every violin every flute every classical everyone who goes to exam every every other one will need a piano accompanist or the ballet school um or you can open your own school and start teaching but that is not easy because there's a lot of music professionals there so yeah the competition is quite is quite hard yeah and do uh, a lot of bulgarians want their children to learn piano or other instruments? Is it something that's kind of uh, valued? Yes, it is valued. Yeah, it, it was part of the culture and it's still part of the culture. It just As the times go by, it's getting difficult to get a job and then the students are getting less and less and now young people just see, okay, how can I find, what's the easiest profession to get into to find a, a job? And that's not easy. That's not easy. And they know it's so it's getting lower and lower. Mm-hmm. The number of students applying, the number of students studying. Yeah. 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 And I guess in, in the past, this in Eastern European countries, there was a lot of support from the state for music. It was considered important. Is, like, has that changed a lot? Yes. There's no support now. And in the past, that was easier. That was very easy. I mean, once you have graduated, the state sends you to a, a certain music school at a certain place and you start working straight after you finish. You just start working. If you finish a performance um, field, so you can be a, a, a performing teacher, you're a violin teacher or piano teacher or whatever, and then you're sent to the music school, the certain music school of that type. If you're a music teacher, you're sent to a normal school and you become a music teacher. Now you're not sent anywhere <laughs> and you've got to do it so yourself. Sent yourself. Yeah, you've got to, yeah, and that that's difficult. That is difficult because the economy of Bulgaria is not good and you've got to go to a probably bigger city where people have more money and they can afford 
piano lessons or private music tuition of any kind. Um, and then when you go to the big cities, of course, there are more people there and more competition there. It's not easy. It's not easy. Many of my colleagues went to Europe to try to do career or to the US. Yeah, I went to Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was a bit more. I had my husband. I met him in Bulgaria. Okay. He's also a pianist. We studied together. Um, he came to do a master's degree in piano performance when I was doing a bachelor. And then we got together and then I moved to Turkey with him. He he had a job in the university as a piano teacher. Then I got a job in the university as a piano teacher. So, yeah. And now, he, now he's here and he's also performing yes. with you, I've yes, noticed. We still, <laughs> yes, we're still here. We're still performing together. We play piano duo since we met in 2009. We started as a student and we've got this, um, it's a called piano accompaniment, but you, you can play with another pianist there. So they formed uh, a piano duo of us. We had to do exams together and do concerts together and we're still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> We've played a lot in Hobart actually. We played every every year. We've done um, gigs at Mona. We've been to um, Sprayton. Every September we used to go to Sprayton. There's a Hans Funk music house there in Sprayton. Yeah, JC Funk, his uh, wife, she's organizing uh, chamber music concerts with different musicians. So we used to go there every September for four years and play uh, piano duo recitals. And also, yeah, the last one was when I finished my PhD, he played with me just for to the end of the PhD, the last concert. Yeah. And how's it been the last few months through the whole um, pandemic lockdown? How's that affected some of the music? Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's... We, we, we don't have any concerts. We don't have any gigs. We we've got a we opened the piano studio here, so we teach now. Recently, my husband's been teaching only, so this is how we live now. How many people were in your family? Oh, I live with my mom, mm -hmm. and they all. I lost my dad when I was very little, and then mom, she struggled. Of course, she struggled, and that was at the time after um, after the Soviet the, after the Soviet broke. So the first years what was very hard, and it's been very hard for her. Now I can realize it, of course. Um, yeah, no, we we good together. We good together. Yeah. yeah, she came here. She came to Hobart. Oh, did she? Yes. <laughs> that was that was a big project for her because yeah. in her entire life she didn't travel much. All right. Yes, she didn't travel much and now she, that's the <laughs> probably that's, that's the most distance. Yeah, the biggest journey. <laughs> the biggest journey you yes, could do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a, what about 30 hours flights. Mm. So how did she find it? How did she find it in her life? Oh, she liked it. She liked yeah. it. She doesn't speak English, but she liked the people. She said, oh, they're, they're all very friendly. They're all very smiley. They're all very happy. And she always says uh, she could 
do the bus trips say, on her own with the green card. <laughs> she knew she didn't have to speak she, there, so that was fine. But she always said, oh, people are so nice. In the bus, they say hello. I say hello. <laughs> yeah, she liked the people. She, I think she liked it. Yeah, she stayed with us two months um, in 2017. Okay. Yeah. So quite a long time, actually. Yes, yes. <laughs> So you mentioned that um, when you were little, it was still, because you would have been born when it was still in the old Soviet era. Yeah. And so how old were you when Bulgaria sort of opened up? Um, when I was born in 1987 and then that collapse was two years after. But when I was a kid, I grew up in the hard years mm-hmm. after the change. They still talk about the change. It's still the change. Or say, because I, I grew up in a very very tiny town mm-hmm. and people are older there every time when I go there they, they have this saying now after the changes mm-hmm. now after the changes you know it's it's not now it's been more than 20 years yeah but they say now after the changes because they're so used to what was before that mm-hmm. that change it didn't for small places like my hometown it didn't still uh, seem I think it didn't still happen in people's minds mm. or it's happening and they're against it. Yeah, it's a, it's hard. It's very hard to make. It's not a change that you could do for a, um, an, an overnight change. It's mm. not an overnight change. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, are people uh, maybe a bit nostalgic about the old times? Oh, yes, they are. Yes. If you ask them, no one likes what is now. Mm. They all talk about how nice and how ordered it was before and everyone had work and everyone had money and, and how good the system it was yeah yeah no I think overall Bulgarians have a positive yeah positive attitude to what what it was and I, I would say that yeah it's it was better for them Bulgaria it's more developed now every time when I go back it's getting yeah. it's, I can see it because I don't go very often I can see that it's changing but when for the people living there it's not easy it's not easy and they they complain and they don't see that they don't see the positives and they can't see the positives it's it's not easy it's not easy to live there so what are the biggest things that people would complain about in Bulgaria uh, corruption oh, okay yeah. <laughs> yeah corruption and um, poor economic mm-hmm. and poor health yeah that kind of things <laughs> So when you first arrived in Tasmania, what were your first impressions? It felt like we're like back in time, like time has stopped 50 years ago and we've gone there with the time machine. This this was the feeling. I remember that very well. And we came with my husband, with, we had a walk at this Hobart city center, like Elizabeth Mall, the, just the main street. And it was probably the evening, there was no one. Like no one was there. And it was summer here. It was mid-December here. Yep. It was very strange. Very, very like a ghost town. Yeah. <laughs> 
took me a while to get the idea that there's a lot happening here actually yeah. there's a lot happening in Hobart you just have to be part of a certain mailing group or you just have to know where to look uh, to, to know the places otherwise it just feels like like that you just go and there's nothing nothing yeah. nothing there time machine goes <laughs> goes in the past 50 years ago yeah. <laughs> just the, the birds and, and the, the beautiful scenery but no one there is a lot happening in Hobart but if you're a newcomer here you don't know about it yeah. and it can be quite hard to find out about these things it's like you need to be a member of a secret society or something yes there is a lot happening here there's a lot yeah. happening but it feels like it's you know when you see a lake and on the and the lake is very still on the surface but down there it's happening the life is yeah. happening down there this is this is what what Hobart is and it's still like that probably it's a bit it's a bit more lively than it was four and a half years ago yeah. we can sense that through the traffic see there's <laughs> more people more traffic more more shops more cafes yeah it's probably more but still you you have to know where to look if you want to go to concerts if you want to book a, a, an appointment with it with, ah, that's another thing yeah everything in everything works with appointments everything everything will work with appointments that was that was shocking yeah. really yeah So is it was not like that in Bulgaria or Turkey? No, they have appointments, but here everything is. I mean, your friend is an appointment. You've got to make an appointment with your friend. I recently I met. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it feels like very organized. Everything is on time. You can't just play it by ear. You know. Yeah. You bump on someone. And say, oh, I I saw you. Let's go for coffee. That's like that's not planned. <laughs> This is what it what it feels so like. So would you say that? would be more common in Bulgaria yes. just to do things on the yes I was going to tell you a couple of months ago I met um, uh, at my, I work at the center of the arts here and I met a guy who's from Macedonia so we, mm -hmm. we speak a very very similar language yeah. we can speak our languages and communicate with no problems so we met there and he we started speaking English and he said oh where are you from and I said I said my name is Kirkana and he said where are you from and I said I'm from Bulgaria and then we started speaking the language And he said, okay, let's go for coffee. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, let's go for coffee. Then we went for coffee. But at that, that time I realized, oh, that's been so long since someone just bumped and said, let's go for coffee. Yeah. Yeah. It could be just yeah. me. I don't know. <laughs> Or my well, friends think, here. Yeah, you might you might um, have hit onto something there. That's why I like these, these conversations because it gives us local people a perspective from someone else. And we kind of think, oh, yeah, actually, Maybe, yeah, people do do that. I was told one thing about Bulgaria is it's one of the few countries where shaking your head means <laughs> yes. yes. That's is that... different. Yeah. This is yes. Yeah, she's shaking her head just like, <laughs> <laughs> And this is no, because I lived in Turkey. Mm -hmm. I fixed myself <laughs> there. So I can do yes, like in a normal way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember I struggled there. Yeah, that's, I think it's only Bulgarians that do that. Do you know, do you know why how that started or where there's some history for that? There's a story about that, but yeah, it's like one of those okay. old legends. 
it we don't know whether it's true or not yeah. but uh they put a an, um knife someone put a knife on one of the pokering kings here and he had to say yes or no yeah and if he said yes he would kill himself mm -hmm. so he said yes by doing this yeah not by nothing I remember my husband when he came to to Bulgaria, he was telling me a story. He said, I went to a taxi, knock on the door, opened the door of the taxi and said, Are you available in Bulgarian? And he did that. And then he said, Okay, thank you. Close the door. Then went to another taxi. Are you available? <laughs> he shook the head again. He said, Okay, thank you. Then went to the third car. And then the first driver gave me, Hey boy, come. <laughs> So when you um, first arrived in Tasmania, what were what were sort of some of the most difficult things to adapt to? I struggled with my studies, with my studies, yeah, a lot. I mean, with the system, with the, of course the language. I had to read a lot of literature in language, in different language, understand it, and paraphrase it, um, make sure. And I was doing academic research, and you know, I had to make sure that it's that is correct and that is um, yeah that, that was very stressful that was very stressful um, in Tasmania like a life yeah like there are any aspects of everyday life that you needed to adapt to ah uh, yeah the very basic thing the um, the, the shoppings the, sh the, the shops it, they're all very far from everywhere there's far from every you have to drive you have to drive and I don't drive now mm -hmm. I drive but I yeah, I don't drive a lot. Um, and also probably that social, that we were talking with you before about getting to know what is happening so you could attend something or you could meet some because you meet people if you're doing something. It's the same everywhere. You you have to, you have to get out there. <laughs> you have to talk to people. You have to meet. You have to do something. You've got to be active to get social life here. And that's, Social life is hard to find. Yeah. So what what did you do to sort of try and get to know more people here? Yes. Well, it, it takes time. It took time. Yeah. It took it took time. I remember I had, of course, the con community with the students, and that that was my first community, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went to somehow we went to the bar. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. So my husband found the Baha'i Center, a very strange oh, yeah. building. Oh, what is he knew I I haven't I hadn't heard about the Baha'is mm -hmm. at all. And then here you come in the end of the world and this this beautiful center and and a whole big religion and a whole big tradition uh, mm -hmm. behind something. And yeah, we went. He went there. They invite us to one of their soul food, so we went there. Probably that was the first community out of the school. And they, they they're very nice people. They've got a um, like a tea afterwards and you mm -hmm. can socialize. 
it's very hard when you when you don't know anyone and you don't know how the, the life works here it's you, you can just stay in your room and go to school and come back and yeah. yeah yeah I think that's a very common experience here yeah I've heard people say they felt for the first year they felt really isolated and lonely because the people here usually they have we have our networks yeah we know all the people that from school or whatever and people don't a lot of local people don't realize how difficult it is probably if I if if I come back now and I know I would I, what I would do I would do, say to uh, I would go to the TSO and ask for uh, um, add, me, add me to the mailing list I would do that thing now so I could know what is happening when it's happening go there because I think um, there are quite often quite a lot of small musical events happening all the time or before the pandemic anyway yes before the pandemic <laughs> anyway yeah well if you're a musician you you go straight in, into there yeah you could find no i mean i knew what what was happening um, the first couple of months here because mm-hmm. i was at the con and then there's musicians everywhere they know other musicians they know other concerts they know other gigs you can find students which was impossible I was like, oh, okay how could you <laughs> say find the work and you teach here well you can teach here you can teach here and you can find students and it's not people are very open actually they want to they want to study they want to learn they they like uh, different cultures they like different yeah. traditions say when they come to us they, they're very interested about my background about my mm-hmm. tradition about my education yeah it just feels very weird in the beginning <laughs> Lots of pianos here. And also for a start, for kids, piano is a very enjoyable instrument it's a you get an easy result from the piano say you press the key and it's the key but say all the the string instruments the violin the viola the cello you've got to you've got to put a lot of effort until you get this sound and then you phrase and then you need a pianist or you need someone else to to make music it's a bit different yeah in that terms piano is a it's a good instrument yeah Yeah. and every everyone can start everyone can start at any age do you find there are any differences you've noticed between the kind of audiences here compared to, say, in Bulgaria and the, the way they enjoy music, I suppose? Uh, I, yeah, yeah, they're different. Uh, first of all, it's very nice to play here. Mm-hmm. It's very nice, yes. You, as a feeling, when you go on the stage, you feel free and you feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. That's very clear. That's I, I remember very well the, my, our first concert we played with my husband in a couple of months when, when we arrived and yeah it was very positive feeling when you're on the stage the people clap a lot you, you just feel it you know you yeah but then after concerts say that that's different here they don't comment a lot they come to con- to um, to see you after the concert say congratulations and that's all they don't go into details about the music mm-hmm. they don't they don't talk about a lot about it that that was very strange whether in Bulgaria if you go they'll come and say oh this is what I like this is what I this is what was great and then this is yeah this was okay maybe you could do that better or I I, I like 
or that's a musician. If it's not a musician, they would say, I like say the second piece most because it makes me feel, I don't know how, or it makes me remember something. You know, they will share their, the way they um, perceive your music with you. Rather here, they were all like the, the positive. You can feel that positive, mm -hmm. but like sti stillness, still yeah. positive. Yeah. To say congratulations. I really enjoyed it. This was great. And also, yeah, people here don't speak about feelings a lot. Don't share emotions a lot. Yeah. This is another... I mean, it's not only about music, about everything. Everything is about facts and about what has happened, why has... About reasons, about that, what has happened. And then what do you feel? Or do you feel anything? Or why do you feel? You don't... It's kind of... They don't go... Or this is what I feel. Mm -hmm. They don't go into questioning the emotions or the feelings behind anything. It's mostly facts about about things. So in Bulgaria, how's how's that different? Are, would you say are people more willing to more open with their emotions? Yes, people and they would talk about their emotions. They would describe these emotions mm -hmm. more. Yeah. yeah, or say this thing that I don't really like in Bulgaria, but it's what it is. When say when they said they tried this, they, they said and they explained it sadness so well that you become sad at the end of the, the story, you know? And there's this heaviness of feelings which is very, and it's everywhere and it's everyone and, and you get this yeah. sadness if, even if you don't want it you kind of stinks to you somehow, yeah. yeah. Or say the positive of course they share the positive as well but I think in Bulgaria that sadness is a bit more like everywhere. Right. Yeah. And they, they talk about it. They talk about it. Of course, when you talk about something and you make it bigger and bigger and bigger, probably people know it, but you, it's a cultural thing. You don't realize it. You speak that way because mm -hmm. everyone speaks that way yeah. because you used to speak that way, you know? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's that, that kind of thing. It's and I don't that. think here people people describe their emotions and people speak openly about happiness or sadness or any other emotions they, they can, about any, anything. I, can, I mean, fear, anxiety, that, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. They don't, yeah, they don't really talk openly about these things mm. with with friends. Probably they go to psychologists and talk there. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just guessing because as a human being, you need to talk about, you need to yeah. share your emotions. You have yeah. emotions. You can, you can choose not to show them. You can put a happy mask everywhere. You can, um, you can look any type you want to look, mm. but everyone has something deep. I believe in that. And you, you need to share it with someone. Yeah. It could be, it could be in, in within the family. I don't know. I, I don't know that much, but yeah, they don't share it openly. They don't share it with, with their friends easily. We've got this saying given in Bulgaria with very old sayings. It says a shared uh, heart is a half heart. Oh, okay. We say in English, um, the problem shared is a problem halved. It feels like Australians just, just want to pass on to the next thing. And yeah, and it's it's more when you come from abroad and you see what, what you get like overall is the positiveness. People are positive. Mm -hmm. People are always positive. Whatever happens, that's positive. Yeah. Yep. Maybe because they don't go to the negatives. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe because they were they're taught to look at the positives. I don't know. But this is what you get. And I think that's cool. Interesting people. I mean, you come to the end of the world 
and like in the end of the world in the end of the street there is a lady which does something that you've never heard of and she's really good at that and, and you speak to them and they're, they're, they're nice it's very interesting it's very interesting yeah. place but you've got to live here if you come we've been talking with other foreigners if you come here for a holiday mm-hmm. for say two weeks in Hobart you would never understand what's going on you can't you can't understand the life you can't understand it would be very boring yeah. it would be very expensive <laughs> yeah 